You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Well, good morning. I done sang myself dry. Well, happy Sunday to everybody. My good Lord. Happy Sunday to everybody. That's something to celebrate, man. Sunday's awesome. I love getting a chance to get around some good people. I love getting a chance to worship God. I love getting a chance to hear his word and make his word come alive. Right? There's so many things to celebrate. It's a happy Sunday to you. I'm excited to be here. I hope you are. Um... How many of you guys, you know, fall is here. Charleston just doesn't know it yet. Okay, my house, my house is decorated. We got pumpkins. We smell like pumpkins. We look like pumpkins. It is fall in the Ammons household. However, when I opened the door at 630 this morning and got hit in the face with 92 degrees of hot mouth, Charleston just don't know that fall has arrived. I'm tired of sweating, people. I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for Friday. How many people enjoyed some football yesterday? Yeah? Come on. Hopefully your team won. Okay. Best of luck next week. I was talking with a buddy of mine, and we were talking about, you know, because yeah, we love fall. We're talking about fire pits, football season, another, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're getting ready to get into storm season, right? It's hurricane season, so we're talking about prepared. We've got to make sure that we're prepared, make sure we have all that kind of stuff. You know, one of the things that's unique that's happening right now, uh, maybe I just don't remember it as a kid, but as a part of some of these storms, you're getting a lot of, like, spin-off tornadoes, right? I don't know if y'all have noticed that, but we've gotten a lot of that recently. And so we were just talking about that of like, and he was asking me, he said, you know, I know you know probably where to go. Like we all have that spot in our house that we go to in case of a storm, right? But he asked this kind of odd question. I was, and he said, but let's just say you and your family, y'all go to like, you know, a new place, a new location. Let's just say you're in Columbia. Like if you're in Columbia and a tornado happens at a pop-up storm, do you know where to go? I was like, no, I don't know that I really know where to go in Columbia. And he's like, oh, it's easy. I'm like, okay, good, tell me. He's like, just go to William Bryce Stadium. They don't get any touchdowns. (laughs) Oh, if you don't know, our tech team is a bunch of Gamecock fans. If you didn't get that joke, William Bryce Stadium is the Gamecock Stadium. See, what, what happened is, let me give you a little, every week we do a pre-service meeting here, and our dream team gets together, and every ministry comes in here, and we had a great time bantering back and forth. They were dishing out Clemson jokes to me. I was dishing out Gamecock jokes, which were a little bit better. And I said, hey, wait till next week. So I said, hey, I'm going to have a, one more joke, just one more. How do you keep a Gamecock out of your yard? Just put up some goalposts. They'll go to your neighbors. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Lord, we need you. Your presence was here. It left. We need it back. Lord, we just pray for every offended Gamecock. Would you just give them one more W? They just need a little bit of hope. Oh. 
if you're here for the first time, I promise you, it gets better. It really does. It, it, gets, it gets better than that. Well, welcome to week number five of a five-part series. We are in the final installment, uh, and I'm excited for you. I promise we won't have any more bad jokes. Maybe one. But the, the first message that we focused on in this series was all, was all centered around the fact that God makes some promises to us. All throughout scripture, he's got a lot of promises. However, there's a few promises that carry a little bit more weight. And we talked about these promises and we've dubbed them this title. And it's really the title of the series as well. But it guarantees us the good life. God has a good life for us when we grab a hold of these promises. In fact, 3,500 years ago, God made some timeless eternal promises to every single one of us. And we know that because we see them happen and, and come up in scripture over and over and over again, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see these same four promises. Now, what's important about these promises is not only that we know them, and, and, and hopefully that's happened for you over the course of these last five weeks. We have now discovered them in Scripture. They're no longer hidden. You know about them. But the hope is that we don't stop there, but that we actually take it two steps further. And those two steps are it's not only good enough just to know about them, but we understand them and we also pursue them in our life. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if whenever that day comes that we show up in heaven just to find out that we didn't fully live out the life that God had for us right here on this earth? Because you know, it's not all just about heaven. He has a whole lot for us to live out and do here on this earth. And my prayer for us in really before this series, and it continues to be, is exactly that, that God, would you, would you let nobody come through these doors, that they don't spend a little bit of time here and understand, hey, there are some promises that scripture has for us that we don't leave them on the table. I don't want that kind of life for you. And that has been my prayer. In fact, here's been my specific prayer is that we look a lot more like Hebrews chapter six, which tells us something specifically. It says, hey, I need you to grab a hold of these magnificent promises don't ever let go. Grab them with both hands. What is he saying to us? He's saying, hey, I don't care what you have going on in your life. I don't know how, matter how difficult, no matter how many challenges you face, I need you to never forget. Always grab a hold of my promises because when you do, I guarantee it's going to be a different kind of life because his promises come with a guarantee about our future. That's what we talked about in week number one. And really what this series is all about. Now, the last three weeks, what we did is we kind of took a deeper dive and take a look at the individual cups, these, these promises um, that we see and what they mean for our life. And now we only have one more. We're in the final uh, installment. We're in the, the final promise. There's only one more promise. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you that text one more time. It's been our theme verse. We've read it to the point that you almost know it now. In your heart, you can almost uh, even verbalize it, probably for some of you, but this is the same exact piece of scripture that Jewish people for generation after generation read at the Passover Seder meal during that celebration of Passover. Uh, Seder, all that simply means is that there's an order, okay? There's an order to which, and we've been going through that order through those different cups, okay? So, um, 
the Israelites, uh, what happened was Moses, he, he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and he tells Moses something. God tells Moses, hey, I need to make sure that you communicate something to the Israelites. Quite frankly, there's four really important things that I want you to tell them. I want you to remind them. The Jewish people actually communicate this as the four I will statements that God gives to them and to every single one of us. This is Exodus chapter 6. You can follow on the screen behind me. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Here's the first promise. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, this first one is the simplest because it happens in an instant. This promise that he gives us is to bring us out from the trap, bring us out from the bondage of the world. And the promise that he gives us is the promise of salvation. And what's neat about this is he didn't want this promise to be mixed with any of the other promises to come. This promise stands alone. It is different. And he did it very specifically because he always wanted us to know that this was a free gift that we actually don't have anything to do with this first promise, that there's nothing that we could do to earn it. Otherwise, we would somehow convince ourselves or trick ourselves that we're good enough or could work hard enough to earn our way into heaven. And we can't do either one of the things. There is nothing that we can do. The only thing that we have to do is we have to believe in our hearts and our minds that Jesus died on the cross, rose again. As long as we believe that, that's it. That is the free gift that he gives us. There was a study that actually came out this week. It blew my mind. I literally could not believe the words that I was reading in this study. They surveyed thousands of pastors all across this country, which I always wonder. I've never gotten a call. <laughs> but regardless, they're, they're, they're surveying a lot of pastors in the country, okay? Here was the finding that they had. It blew me away. Over 30% of pastors in this country believe that you can work your way to heaven. If you never thought that the enemy is waging war around this first cup, that should be a wake-up call for you. He wants to deceive. Doesn't it make sense that not only does he want to deceive us, but he wants to deceive churches to think, y'all, I could give you 15 minutes of verse after verse all throughout our Bible that tells you, no, that is not how it happens. We can't work our way to heaven. Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of this cup for what he did on the cross for us. That was the first one. Here's the second one. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now this promise, the first one was instant. This promise now begins this journey for the next three cups. You see, the Israelites, they were out of Egypt physically, but they had this slave mentality still operating in their brains, still operating the way that they were thinking in the same way that you can become a Christian, right? You're a believer, but yet you still have this junk, these habits, these, these addictions that are, are controlling our life and that we're still battling with. And unfortunately, so many Christians, their whole life is defined but my life is just working on my issues. And maybe you pick that ball back up and you say, okay, well, maybe I can get a little bit better this time. You see, God didn't design a life for us like that. Our life is more than just being stuck in some little issue that we have in our life. And he reveals that in scripture. We talked about that as a part of the cup of deliverance. This, this whole process, I will free you from being slaves. Let me hear you. 
let me let you hear me say it this way. God can close the door on your past once and for all. It doesn't have to be an issue that you get trapped in this cycle. And he does that through the cup of deliverance. The third one that we discussed, which was last week, he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with these mighty acts of judgment. Pastor Eddie talked about this last week, and he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job tying it to this beautiful story of Mary Magdalene in the Bible that really communicated this picture of it doesn't matter how jacked up you think your life is. It doesn't matter how much, how, how awful you think your past is, there is never an amount that can keep you from God still using you. And here's the tragic thing about this is that over 80% of people will never experience this promise of redemption. They'll never understand this whole idea that this is why I'm on this planet this is, this is why I'm even here. This is why I exist. And even more tragically, you don't get to experience the last promise that he has if you can't experience the third promise. Okay? And th this last one is the one that we're going to talk about today because it's this ultimate way of living life. And he ends this theme verse by saying this. He says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So now we have moved from this, this individual promise. The, the, the first thing were these individual promises for each of us. And now the focus today shifts to it's a group thing. It's this group uh, mentality that God is wanting to showcase because God never fulfills his best in us alone. Okay? His best is revealed in a group of people, and I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Okay? Exodus chapter 6 ends with this because when we, when, we, when we wrap all four of those promises up, here's what he tells us. Then, once you do those, once you start engaging and pursuing those promises that I have for you, then you will know something. You'll know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of all the junk that's in your life. I'm going to bring you out of the yoke. The Egyptians are no longer going to be able to carry that much weight in your life. I'm going to get you out of all that. And here's what I think excites me so much about this series and really for each of you guys individually is because for some of you, this light bulb moment has already actually occurred. And here's, here's the thought is that you can be a Christian your whole life, yet never experience what God intended for you as a believer. It, it doesn't just stop at the fact that I raised my hand and I re received this salvation. God doesn't stop there. I mean, that settles where you're going for eternity. So kudos to you, one of the greatest decisions you can ever make in your life. But God intended for this life here on this earth to be way, way more. The way that the Bible actually says it is it's a life that you actually won't even be able to possibly think up or imagine. It's going to be that much better than what you can think of. That's the life that he, he, he wants for us. But once we know these promises, once we understand these promises, and more importantly, once we pursue these promises, then... And only then, he says, that you will know that I am the Lord your God. So let's dive into this last cup, this, this cup entitled the cup of praise. And the promise that we have as a part of this, this last cup, and it's a guarantee for our life, is this promise of fulfillment. Promise of fulfillment. Now, you got to remember the first cup, an instant. 
The next three cups are the journey that we have to take in life. And so what I want to do is I want to show you the journey that we need to take and what it needs to look like for us to achieve this cup number four. And I'm going to do so scripturally. Okay. Now, before we get into that, here's what I want to show you. I want to show you that this is something that culture has chased for a long time. This thought of how do I achieve fulfillment? Is it actually possible? And they chase after trying to understand this process to the best of their ability. Now, one of those figures is a, is a psychologist that you may have remembered studying in school at some point. I remember studying it in college. I don't remember all of it, but I was reminded of it this past week. And I want to give it to you as a basis because I think it'll prop up and give validity to what people chase after, okay? This guy's name is Abraham Maslow. And what he came up with is what they dubbed as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Basically what it is is he discovered this idea or this thought process that everyone does certain things based off of their needs, Another way to say that would be is that the actions, the things that we do in life, are only done to fulfill the needs that we have. Okay, right on the same page? Originally, he came up with five. A few decades go by and he realized, no, there's actually some more needs. And along with a few other secular psychologists, they, they determined, no, it's not actually five, it's really actually eight. So let's take a look quickly. You have them there in your notes, uh, which, by the way, uh, if you don't have notes, just simply raise your hand. Guest services will be glad to. We'll have a lot of things that I've already written up in your notes. But just keep your hands raised. They'll come in and give it to you. But here they are. Here's the first one. The first one that you see there at the very bottom of the pyramid is that we all have physical needs. All of us have these, these basic needs in our life, right? It's the, the need to eat, to drink, to sleep, to breathe, and, and, and the list goes on. There are basic physical needs. Then you go to the next level of it, which is our safety needs. Now, this at the bottom line is we have a need for protection from different elements. It's the very reason why we lock our doors at night. It's the very reason when you go shopping, you lock your doors to make sure that nobody gets the stuff that you've purchased. Okay? It's the reason why we like law and order. And what it's meaning is this need to have freedom from fear. Okay? So that's our safety needs. Then we go on to the next level, which is our love needs. Every single one of us have these relational needs in our life. We want intimacy. We want to be able to trust people. We want to be accepted. We want to have affection. At the end of the day, we want to have those feelings of being loved. We have love needs. The next one, the fourth one that we have here is what he calls these esteem needs. Now, this is the desire to be complimented, right? Okay, Jamal, looking fresh in those pants, dude. You're looking good. I'll tell you right now, dude, Cam Newton ain't got nothing on you, right? But we're building up the esteem here. You can't laugh. Can't laugh at no, I'm just kidding. But seriously, we all do. It's the reason why you, when you go up to somebody and you say, you know, your hair looks nice. Now, that does a lot of things. A, somebody noticed, right? So it does good for us to be able to say that too because it builds you up and you know that they, they're noticing something different. We all have this. When somebody comes up and you say, man, I like the outfit that you got on. It looks sharp on you. We have these esteem needs that builds us up on the inside of what we have. Now, the first four needs that I just gave you, Maslow deemed these as deficiency needs. These are needs that we have to have met in order to survive. Okay, these are survival needs. The next four that I'm going to show you, they're considered to be growth needs. And that's 
really how all these next ones are going to be bent towards. They're going to be bent towards some version or level of growth. Okay? The fifth one begins with this, is our cognitive need. Now, this is the desire that every single one of us have to learn and understand things. It's the reason why we love documentaries. It's the reason why some of you guys are book lovers. We, we are always searching for this cognitive need in our life. It's even why as young children, they'll come up and say, Daddy, where does this come from? I don't know. Go ask your mom. Right? But we always have these needs, even from a young age, cognitively, we want to learn. We want to grow in this area. Then we move on to the aesthetic needs. This is our need for things to be beautiful. How many people in here are, are, are my beach people? Raise your hand. Beach people? Raise your hand. Beach people? Okay. Outnumbering last service. How many of my mountain people? Mountain people? Mountain people. That's kind of tough because we've been hot for a long time, so everybody's like ready for the mountains. <clears throat> but there's a reason why, because we have these aesthetic needs, and we're all bent towards a certain way in life. This is the very reason why you've decorated your house ten times in the last couple of years. We always have these aesthetic needs that just keep on changing. It's the reason why during COVID, everybody became a landscape expert. We were home and we realized, oh boy, this needs help. And so everybody's, everybody got out in their yards and did that. We have a need for things to look a certain way. Now, the next two things are very interesting. This is where it heats up. This is where it gets a little fun. The next one is self-actualization needs. Okay, this one is the internal need that each of us want to reach our potential. Okay, it's the reason why we want to be the best at something. If we can't be the best at something, a lot of times people will attach themselves with something that is the best. It, it, we want our team to be the best, right? Oh, by the way, speaking about teams that are best, did you know that the Gamecocks, <laughs> look them up. I didn't know this was a thing. The, the football team, they don't have a website. Did y'all know this? This is a thing. Y'all know this? Yeah, they can't string three W's together. I'm, Gamecock fans, I promise I'm going to take it easy on you. I'm not going to do this every, every single week. Football season's not that long, so it'll only last a little bit. I'm, sur I'm surprised that the tech team actually is leaving me on right now. <laughs> oh, man, I promised George. George is one of our volunteers. He's a diehard Gamecock fan. I promised him I would bring my best on some of the Gamecock jokes that I have. And I was actually surprised. He never heard of them. I guess they don't look up jokes about themselves. So I'm just kidding. Here we go. We all have this need, right? We want to win, right? We want to dominate. The very reason why I want to tell you my jokes, right? I can't help the. Never mind. Well, let's keep on. But Maslow, he thought this was it. Like, if you could reach this part of the hierarchy needs, you've met the pinnacle in life. Like, you were going to reach ultimate fulfillment when you reached this level of your needs being met, okay? But they kept discovering something. Um, because for years, they taught that this was it. But as they kept studying human beings, they realized that there was something different. They realized that they kept having this different behavior that wasn't being measured on this pyramid system that they had. And so they began to get back in there. He got his psychologist buddies um, to get back in there because they were saying, we, we've got to study this more. There's something there that is not being recorded. And here's what they realized. They realized that there was something greater than self-actualization. Okay? Now remember, these aren't Christian psychologists, but they realized 
that there's something better than meeting your own personal needs. After studying human behavior for years, what they concluded was that humans have a need to not only reach their potential, but to take that potential and to leave a legacy, to make a difference on this planet in people's lives was actually higher than self-actualization. They call it transcendence needs. And he goes on to explain that this, in fact, is the actual highest need that we have. This is actually the driving force in his words of why we wake up every single day and face all of the stuff that life throws at us because we so desperately want to meet this need in our life and to provide and to take care of the people in our life. Now, transcendence, when you look up the word in Google, here's some of the phrases that you're going to get. It's defined as exceeding usual limits, surpassing, going beyond comprehension, living a life that's beyond yourself. Let's combine that back with our theme verse from Exodus chapter 6, because God says, I will take you and I will make you a people and I will get involved. What is God communicating? God communicates to us in this last promise, hey, I have something for you. I have something for you that's beyond you. I will put you in a place. I will put you with a group of people doing something eternal that will change lives. And not only will it leave a legacy, but it's going to leave a legacy that actually matters. And then God says, on top of all that, I'm going to be right in the middle of that whole thing. I'm going to put my hand on your life and what you're participating in. I'm going to bless it bigger than your wildest dreams can possibly imagine. You're going to do things and be a part of things that is going to make you shake your head going, I cannot believe that I got to be a part of that. I can't believe my life left that much impact that it changed that group of people. It's this transcendence need. This is the ultimate fulfillment, and it only happens when we drink from this cup number four. It only happens when we are with a group of people and we participate in something that makes a difference for eternity, okay? <clears throat> so let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about this cup of praise, because that's what the Jewish people call it. The Jewish people call this last cup, this last promise, the cup of praise. And I love how appropriately named, because like I said in week number two, by the time you drink four cups of wine, you are praising something. <laughs> and I know it's a joke and all because it actually is way more important than just that. It actually has way more significance than this. Because when you actually say the word the way it's supposed to be mean, it, you would actually, instead of saying cup of praise, you would say the cup of Hallel. Now, Hallel is a Hebrew word that we get the word hallelujah from. The last part being Yah, God, the first part being Hallel, meaning to celebrate. We put those two things together and we get this process of celebrating God. Now, this is way more than just saying the word hallelujah. This is way more than even some of the songs that we sang had that word in it. To a Jewish person, when you're talking about this cup of praise, this cup of Hallel, what they think in their head is this is way more than just that. In fact, what they say is, is this, is that you're actually, the significance is higher. You're actually living a lifestyle of Hillel. 
And when you're living this lifestyle of Hillel, your, your life, you're living a large life. I mean, you are alive. You are fulfilled. I mean, you're waking up every single day on purpose, for a purpose, knowing that you have a place on this planet. Not only knowing that you have a place on this planet, but you know what you're supposed to be doing on this planet, and you're meeting that need every single day. That's a different kind of lifestyle because you're living a life of Hillel. Now, this doesn't mean that you're living a problem-free life, right? But it does mean that you're living a life of meaning. It does mean that when we get to this place, when we're drinking of cup number four, we're living a life that is actually making a difference here on this planet, okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about some roadblocks that prevent us from experiencing this last cup. What actually stops us and prevents us from living this Hillel lifestyle, I want to expose some of the major roadblocks to this cup. And for this, I'm going to ask the team, put up the verse John 10.10. 10. This is a verse that we've kind of strewn throughout the series. And here's basically and simply what it says. The thief has a purpose when it comes. The thief has a purpose to come in our lives and to steal, kill, and destroy. But thankfully, we serve a God that has a completely different plan. Because his life, he came so that we would have life to the fullness. That we would have a life that is complete Fulfillment. Everybody say fulfilled. That's the kind of life that he wants for us. God wants us to have a life of fullness, so why don't we? Why are we settling less than what God wants for us? Why are we settling less than what the Bible describes as this is the life that you're supposed to lead? Let's talk about them. Here's three main reasons, and I'm going to go ahead and give them a big secret away up front. They're just the opposite of the first three cups. Okay, here we go. First one is this, major roadblock. We let our past cripple us. You see, the majority of us in this room and everybody listening to me online, we've drank from cup one, right? We're saved. We've been forgiven of our sins. However, we have an enemy, Satan, who is hell-bent on continually reminding us of our past. And most often, this sounds like a whisper in our heads. And it sounds like this. He's trying to convince us that we stink at life. Man, you're just a mess. You think you're good? No, you're weak, dude. There's so many people that are better than you. You're not a good person. Do you remember what you did last week? Man, if everybody knew what you were doing just last 24 hours, man, they would judge you. He, he, he's always trying to get us, and here's what he's trying to convince us of. Let me put it in a physical way for you. He's trying to convince you to drive down ashy phosphate. The only way you can do it, though, is looking in your rearview mirror instead of looking out the front windshield. How dangerous would that be? but yet we do it every single day. This is a big one for so many people. You see, the devil wants you to feel like you're defined by your mistakes, like you're defined by the choices that you've made in your life. In fact, of any of the three that I'm going to talk to you about, this would be probably the one that I would identify with most in my life, and this is how it kind of plays out. You see, most of you guys perceive what I do up here on the weekends as pretty easy. And I appreciate y'all's compliments. Y'all will come up and say, oh, my goodness, you look so calm. You look so confident. You look so comfortable up there. Oh, man, do I wish that was my experience. But that is not my reality. And it's not been my past that has confirmed that along the way. You see, there's not a time that I walk up on the stage that I don't feel this voice inside of my head saying, who do you think you are? You're not smart enough. You're not a good pastor. You think you're called to this? Are you kidding me? 
constantly reminding me of my inabilities. I can't tell you how many times this past thought gets brought back up into my life that has confirmed time and time again that public speaking in English is the worst subject in my life. I grew up in, in, in middle school when we had to give these projects, and one of my biggest fears was there was a kid, me and this other kid, when we got nervous, we would rock back and forth. Now, he did it a little bit more intensely than I did. And what the teacher did was he, the teacher taped Legos to the back of their chair to force them that they couldn't move back and forth. And I was so fearful that that would be me. I would be the next person that would get the Lego trick from this teacher. And so this is those things that has built up in my past that the enemy loves to remind me of and say, you can't do what I've called you to do. This is why before service, when you look at the front row, if you ever look at me on the front row, you're going to notice something. I'm worshiping my behind off. Let me tell you why. There's two reasons. The first reason is I'm thanking God that no matter what the insecurities or inabilities I have in my head, I'm still thanking him for the calling that he put on my life. The second thing I'm doing is I'm trying to worship so loud that it drowns out the negative thoughts in my head. So when you see a brother worshiping extra hard, pray for a brother. You know what I'm going through, right? Because how many of you guys know that those two things can't coexist? Either you're giving into the insecurities, the inabilities that the enemy would love for you to believe, or you believe the calling that God put on your life. Those two things can't coexist. Because here's the thing that you got to realize. I'm going to put it in context for me, but it's true for your life. God called me. Not me. I'm certainly not doing what I'm doing here today solely based off of my abilities. I'm here because God had a plan and a call in my life, and I'm doing my best to fulfill it. Just like he's chosen you as well. His presence, his power is on your life as well. And let me just tell you this, your past, no matter how nervous you get, no matter how unqualified you think you are, no matter how much you think you've messed up in your life, can't stop you from God's best in your life. Amen? Amen. Here's a verse that I think you might identify with. It comes out of Psalms chapter 38. It says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Anybody else ever have that feeling in life? My wounds, they fester. They're loathsome because of my sinful folly. This part ticks me off. I am bowed down and bought very low. All day long I go about mourning. You see, this is exactly what the devil wants for your life. He wants your past to cripple you. But can I tell you what God wants? He wants to reach down, he wants to give you his hand, and he wants to lift you up out of that. He wants to save us. He wants to free us from our past. And this is accomplished with cup number two, this cup of deliverance. Confess it. Get prayed for. Get in a small group. Get in some relationships because that's where life change happens. If you missed that message, go back to it. He's got a message for us of how we can get that out of our life. Our past does not have to cripple us. Second thing is this, is we let culture define us. And here's how I want you to think about this. Every single one of us are living out one of two visions in our life. We are either living out God's vision for our life or we're living out culture's vision for our life. Those two things are always happening and they're never just even. One's always winning, okay? So here's the question, which vision are you living out? Now, most believers would love to believe that they're living out God's vision Unfortunately, they're just not. And what happens is they either have one or two options. 
they get lured into this counterfeit option that promises happiness, or what they do is they drudge through life, falling for every trap that the enemy has in their world, in their life, okay? Now, the way that this counterfeit option plays out a lot of times is it says, hey, listen, man, climb that ladder. Do whatever you got to do. Climb it, baby. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a promise on the other side. Climb it as high as you can go. Maybe there's, maybe there's a money amount that in your head that you think, man, if I can just achieve that, I can do this, right? But then so often people get to the top of the ladder and they look over just to realize, dang, that's not what I thought it was going to do. It doesn't deliver the fulfillment. It lacked the perceived fulfillment that you thought you were going to have. Recently, I was watching, or I was watching and listening. It was on YouTube. And this, these YouTubers were doing a podcast. Baylor loves, he's got like four or five YouTubers that he loves watching. They drive me nuts, but he loves watching them. Well, one of them uh, decided to launch a podcast, and he doesn't know how awful he is at the same time how genius he is. Because most times when you listen to podcasts, people aren't real. People aren't true. They give you a surface level. Remember that arena thing that I'll, I'll, I'll give you so much. But this guy is too raw. He's too honest. And what he's doing is one of the first podcasts, you know, these guys, they run together, right? You know, the, the, the top people, they, they're all kind of running together. And so he's talking, he's really close with about 20-something of them, but he's really close with about five. And the people that he's talking with and that he's doing life with to try to figure out how to continually grow in the YouTube world, they're ranging from anywhere between 28 million to 55 million per year, okay? These, these people are running and gunning. And so he asked the question, the guy asked this question to this YouTuber, and he says, hey, now that you've made it, now that you've gotten all this success, man, tell me what you're doing with all that. And you would expect, oh, man, I bought the house, I got all these exotic cars, I'm able to do all this kind of stuff. And he gives that answer, but then he follows it up with this. He goes, but then I realized something. I actually got rid of every bit of it because it did nothing for me. I thought that's what I wanted but it did absolutely nothing. And what's interesting is you can actually watch this group of four or five of them, and their entire YouTube channel is changing. They're trying to tap into that transcendent need. They're realizing that this whole self-actualization isn't the tip of the iceberg. And they're trying to tap into this transcendent need that I want to leave a legacy on this earth. I want to make a difference in other people's lives, not just my own. But here's the problem with this, is that so often people are chasing the wrong vision. You see, they try to keep pleasing culture's vision and not God's vision. You see, here's the thing, is that culture constantly lies. It tells you everything that you want to hear, promises you this good life, and delivers none of it. They're still trying to tap into the culture. They don't realize that there's promises that God has for us. And that if they could tap into the ultimate transcendent need, their life would be changed forever. Can you imagine the platform, how many millions of people that they have under their influence, if they got a hold of these promises, what it would do for the kingdom of God. But yet they're still trying to chase after good hearts. Don't get me wrong, good hearts but they're still chasing after something that doesn't lead to ultimate fulfillment because it's not based in the word of God. Why is this such a big deal? Because culture continually chases after this whole process of redefining things in our life. And I actually believe that 
The enemy, Satan, is actually working overtime in this particular area. He's, right, he's redefining all these kind of different terms of, of what even a relationship is, what, what a marriage is, what gender is, what life is. Why is this such a big deal? Because the more confusion, the more chaos that he can throw out in our world, the more chaos that he can create in our lives, the bigger chance that he can guarantee that you and I will never find out God's playbook for our life. That we can never find out these promises. Galatians actually talks a little bit about this and sums up this culture clash that I've been talking about. Read it along with me. It says this. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I just trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Cup three is the solution to this and to ensure that we're finding out God's plan for our life. And at some point, every single one of us need to go on a journey. We need to go on a discovery journey to try to figure out, this is why God put me on this planet. The last roadblock that he has for us is this, is that we try to do it all alone. Now, this one is tough because we've all had experiences where we try to do life with people. We try to open up, create these relationships in our life. And for whatever the reason, it just doesn't work out, right? Maybe somebody just aggravates you. Maybe somebody um, takes, you know, abuses the trust factor that you had. Maybe they completely throw you under the bus and you thought you had this relationship. At the end of the day, people can be a pain, right? But believe me when I say this, that this is a major tactic of the enemy. Now, I wish I had time to dive into this because this actually affects so many people that I talk with. And so I don't have time to go into it, but I do have a couple book recommendations that if you find yourself in a place in life where you're just jaded with relationships, I'm done. Like, it is way better to do life alone. One of these three books, you'll, you'll identify with. Read the synopsis of it, and I guarantee you, it will help you in this journey of finding some freedom in the relational context of your life. But here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make it to where you and I, we don't trust anybody in our life. And I'm talking about friends, your spouse, your family, your church family, right? And what is he leading you to? He's, he's leading you to a life that ends up being shallow. He's trying to get you to a life that you're, you just go through it completely skeptical. You're, you're guarded like crazy. And the enemy would love for you to believe that it's better to do life alone. It's a lie. Because he knows that if he succeeds, that you'll never be fulfilled. Because it goes against the very design of how God created us. Well, guess what? This roadblock is solved by cup number four. And so I'm excited to talk about it, but how do we achieve this? We're getting ready to break this part down, but I want you to listen to me one more time. And I've said this a couple times throughout the series, but I think it has implications for this part. Living a life, anything less than what we're talking about in this series, these promises that God has for us, living a life, anything less than that is living a life that is less than what God wants for you. Living a life that's less than what the Bible talks about. Listen to me, it doesn't matter your past. 
It doesn't matter what culture has done. It doesn't matter how much you even participated. It, it, it doesn't matter how much you've just been jaded in life and you're doing it all, all alone. It actually doesn't even matter how much success you've reached and achieved in life. God has a halal life for everybody, for you. And this is God's destiny. So here's the steps. There's three of them in your notes. The first one is this, is it begins with a calling. Second Timothy uh, gives us some, some insight. It says, God, who first saved us and then what? Called. Called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was his idea. It was a gift prepared by Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Everybody say, I'm called. Listen, you have to know that you play a part in all this. This whole thing that we're talking about, this group thing, is what you're participating in this morning. It's this thing called church, which, by the way, was the last gift that Jesus gave to this earth before he went back up to heaven. None of this happens to the extent that God has for his people if you don't participate. He needs you. We need you. Okay? Well, you say, Dave, aren't you the pastor fella? Aren't you the one that's supposed to do all, all the churchy kind of stuff? Well, to a certain extent, there's some truth in that, but it's so shallow to think that it begins and ends with somebody up here on the stage. It extends to every single one of us. The bigger implication is that every single one of us have a call of God in our life. I mean, I love doing what I get to do, and, and I know this is calm, but every single one of us have this. Every one of you have a call of God on your life. Everybody say, I'm called. Some of you need to begin to say that every single day until you start believing it. Now, for most of you guys, it's not going to be full-time ministry. And I don't understand why our society has put in so much weight on this full-time. That, that's the ones that if you're really going to be living for God, that's what you got to do. No. God has a call on your life. And the Bible is actually very clear about this, of what every believer is called by God to change this world. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Did you know that you're God's special possession? That you may declare the praises of him who are called, and they called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. It doesn't matter your job. You are called by God. You say, well, what am I called to do? Here's how you can say it. I'm called because I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Now, it doesn't stop there because the next two that I'm going to give you, each of these build off of each other, and you'll see the ultimate of it at the very, very end, okay? They build off of each other. So I want to make a difference, and number two, because it stands on a cause, okay? Let me say it this way. You're not called to be a singer, okay? You're not called to, to be a top-ranking podcaster, Right? You're not called to be the best fisher like my boy wants to be in Charleston. Okay? He's learning, trying to do his best. Right? Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. God put gifts and talents inside of every single one of us that we're supposed to chase. But God's got more for you than just what culture calls human achievement. Your calling, every single one of us, regardless of your job, is that every single one of us are called to make an eternal difference. 
This is Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me, assigned to you by the Lord Jesus. Well, Dave, what is the work? Let's finish the verse. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's every single one of our callings. So, so let me say it this way to make sure we're on the same page. You're to use your job, your house, your hobby, your family, your money, your talents. Sure, use all those for fun and enjoyment. God wants us to have fun with that. It's the reason he put it on this earth for us to enjoy. But don't just stop there because ultimately God gave those things to you and I in our lives so that way we can make an eternal difference. Here's the way that you can think about it. You can write it in your notes. The first one was, I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. Okay? Here's the final step, last way that it builds, and I contend is actually the most important of the three. Last one, number three, is it spreads from me to we. Okay? In other words, you can't do it alone. It's impossible. Recently, my wife and I have gotten into a show on Netflix called Alone. Okay? And this show is basically the premise is they get you in the worst wilderness that they can find across this globe. And you, the goal, the premise is to see who can be the last person standing, who can survive the longest, so that way you can win $500,000. And it's interesting because the majority of these people, they'll last a good long while, but you know how every single season ends? They can't make it. The only reason they make it as long as they do is some people have a higher drive and some people are better at dealing with misery. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it ends up boiling. They all try to figure out how to survive with shelter and how to get food. Every single one of them stink at fishing. They can never catch any fish and it aggravates the fire out of them. Some person, uh, his tactic was to gain 100 pounds before the show. I'm just going to starve it out. <laughs> right? So everybody has their tactic of how they're going to survive but nobody can do it on their own. Sure, you're going to accomplish some. If this is the decision that you made, you want to do life, you're going to accomplish some depending on your drive, depending on how stubborn you want to be, but you can't get God's best for your life until you find your group, until you find your tribe. At some point, the hand has to find the arm. Otherwise, it just sits there doing nothing. But the moment that I attach my arm and attach it to my body and give that thing purpose and give that thing life, now I can turn it, I can move it, I can push, I can pull, I can do all kinds of things, right? At some point, we have to find the thing that I tell We have to find the group. This is why here we have our volunteer team and we call it the dream team. Now, this is based off of the 1992 uh, Olympic basketball team where they took the best of the best from the NBA and they put them together. It's the same reason that we think about our volunteers in that way because they are the best dominating like the uh, Olympic team did and doing their best and making a difference in people right here in Charleston, South Carolina. That's why we've named them that specifically. None of those people serve alone. They serve on a team and we've got over 450 of you guys serving in different capacities, making a difference based off the gifts and talents that you have. Why? Why is this a big deal? Okay, Ecclesiastes gives us some of this explanation. Here's what it says. And I love God's economy because his math is a little bit different than ours. I'll explain that. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
So you got to remember God is a supernatural God because if God had to abide by the natural world, then one plus one would equal what? But he's supernatural. When we get together, when the hand finds the arm, when you find your group, when you find your tribe, one plus one now equals ten. And when we get together and we do life the way that God, this isn't my recipe, this is God's recipe. But when we get in and do this recipe, man, he multiplies your life, remember, better than you can possibly think or imagine. You'll be a part of things that literally make you shake your head. I can't believe my life can leave that kind of a legacy and I can have that kind of fulfillment. Let's wrap it all together. Let's put the phrases together. I want to make a difference, okay? Doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference. Guys, this is why we exist as a church and we unapologetically go after this vision. We are going to do something that makes a difference. God called us over 35 years ago to begin to make a difference. And we're constantly looking for people, hey, join this vision. Get in here. Get a part of this life that God lays out in Scripture because he has called us to Charleston, South Carolina to make that eternal difference with so many people. Let's look at this final verse, John 15, chapter 8, because it shows when we put all this together what it's actually doing. It says, this is my Father's glory, that when we do all this kind of stuff, that you bear much fruit. And when you do this, you're actually showing something. You're showing your, yourself and you're showing people that you are my disciples. Then watch this, verse 11. I've told you all this so that my joy may be in you and that, that joy, your joy, may be complete. You see, some of you have been longing to find joy. Some of you have been longing to find meaning in this life. And the moment you do something that makes a difference with a group of people that are making an eternal difference, it happens. Well, so Dave, uh, how do we do this as a church? How are you implementing these, these, these processes? How, how do we as cathedral fulfill these promises in church? Okay, I'm going to show you how we do this. And you've filled out these blanks every single time. This is the last thing I'm going to give you. But at the very bottom of your notes, you're going to see the, the four cups. And each week I've given you, I'll give you the example. The first one is the cup of sanctification. Well, that's the thing that God promises salvation. Well, how does that look here at Cathedral? I'm going to go through these four cups and see what you guys are participating in to see that this is happening around here. <clears throat> so the cup of sanctification is this promise of salvation. How do we do that? This is our weekend services. Okay? Meaning that our weekend services aren't entirely for church people. Okay? Well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I hope you enjoy them, right? But they're not entirely for you. We wanted to construct a weekend service for people who don't know anything about God. Come find out who he is that we can make them comfortable and meet them exactly where they are. It's the very reason why we construct our weekend services the way that we do. It's the right reason why we put an emphasis on fun so much. Why some of the dramas and some of the musical elements have nothing to do with the service. Why? Because I'm trying to break down walls. I'm trying to break down barriers of what people believe church is supposed to be. If I can connect with you, I might be able to tell you about my God. And it's the very reason why I try to break down messages the way that I do, because I want to make them as simple as possible. It's the very reason why we have a cafe and you can get a cup of coffee, because most people, if they can just hold this cup, some of the awkwardness goes out of the, out of the room, right? It's the same reason why we want you guys to bring them in here. Most churches are so stuffy. Hey, don't bring any food and drink. We got concrete floors. 
Spill that junk. I don't care. <laughs> ain't going to hurt anything. Guest services loves to clean up messes. <laughs> I had a guy come up to me last week. He goes, it was everything I could do not to stand up and just pour a drink and see what happened. I was like, brother, test me out on it, man. But we do it on purpose because I want people who are far from God to have a place that they can come meet this guy named Jesus. And by the way, it's working. Do, do y'all realize over the last two weeks, 130 people gave their hearts to Jesus? It's working. And that's not a testament to us. That's a testament to you guys. Y'all are bringing them, and we're doing our very best to make that place comfortable for them. That's our weekend services. The next thing is the cup of deliverance, because God wants us to live in freedom. So where does the majority of this happen or take place in the church? Like, where am I going to get free? Like, where can I get discipled? Uh, Dave, I want to go deeper. Uh, where can I start addressing the challenges that face me in my life? I want to get this healing that you're talking about. For us, this takes place in our small groups, okay? Now, for us, the four areas I'm getting ready to describe to you and show you what, how they're happening, um, we're not doing stellar in all four. Now, of, of the four, this is the one that... I, we need the most work in, okay? Um, Amy, do you remember how, how many small groups do we have? 32. Okay, we have 32. How many people are represented within those? 465. 465 of you guys. Okay, now by church standards, that is wildly successful. Okay, but let, let me tell you the goal of, of what we are. We are a church with small groups. We got 32 of them for you to choose from. Fantastic. We got 400 people. Woo, man, that's good. Go cathedral. No, no. <laughs> I want to go from a church with small groups to a church of small groups. Right. And here's the reason why is the more people that I can get into groups, the more that the promises of God are going to come alive, which means whatever that thing is that's been nagging at you, whatever that thing is that week after week you try to come in here and get better at, the thing that over and over again you plead with God, God, please, I don't want to deal. You can actually, finally, once and for all, receive freedom. I want that for every single one of you. I want you to have a place where you can take the mask off, and go through life and journey with people who are going through the same thing that you're going through. So I ask you, help us. We're not where we want to be in that. But that's why we're unapologetically, we try to do everything we can to make it as easy as possible for you guys to engage with this. We have three semesters that we do groups in. Uh, and right now we just started our fall one. And there's never a time period that is too late for you to participate. Some of you guys can participate by just going. And don't do it because I'm asking you. Here's what I would ask of you. Have a conversation with God. Pray about it. God, do I need to be a part of small groups? Dave's asking this thing. I don't know about all this. This kind of seems weird, and i got to talk with people, and that's kind of weird. But ask God. Say, God, do I need to be in groups? See what he says. And then just do whatever it is that you feel like he's saying. Some of you guys are going to attend a group. Some of you, fewer, but you may end up leading one. But participate in some way because... I want you guys to receive that freedom. The cup of deliverance, Scripture tells us, we get forgiveness from God, we get healing from the confession from one to another. It happens in the context of small groups, okay? So help us grow in that area. Next one is the cup of redemption. This is the part where God wants to bring you back to your original intent. Your past is never too great. God's original design can always happen. Your past will never outdo God's best. 
How do we accomplish that? For us, we accomplish that with our growth track. Because part of what we believe is your design reveals your destiny. If you don't know what your destiny needs to be in life, you need to go back to the original intent. How did God design you? How did he make us? We do this through our growth track, and we're going to take this journey for you and with you during a four-step process that we have just dubbed as the growth track. Give us four Sundays, and we will systematically take you through a process that will not make you perfect, Okay, don't hear me say that, but it will help you grow and it will help you answer the question, this is why I'm on this planet. Okay, it's this, it's this whole process of redemption. The last one is the cup of praise and the way that we fulfill this one is through our dream team. Like I said earlier, 450 of you are currently serving in some capacity, making a difference, living out this ultimate fulfillment that scripture talks about. And hopefully now after we've done this series, you see the importance of being a part yourself and making that difference. Whether you realize it or not, and hopefully you have a better and more clear picture, you are needed. God designed every single one of us. You, 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 every single one of us. He, God designed you to be a vitally important part of his plan here on this earth. Do me a favor, we're, we're, we're wrapping up now. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? Well, there you have it. That's the series, church. And I hope that you now have a better understanding that God has a roadmap for every single one of us. There is promises. You don't have to doubt. I wonder if I'm doing what God wants in my life. My hope is that we can now settle that for the rest of your being here on this earth. He's got a promise. It started with the Israelites getting out of Egypt, and it still is true for us today. So all we got to do now, we got to make a decision. Are we going to figure out where we are in the process? And are we going to pursue what God has for us now that we understand what those promises are? He has more for us. They're on the table. Let's pick them up and let's live this good life that God has for us. Amen? Amen. 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 I got a couple of things for you. On, on, the, on the bottom of your thing, you got the QR codes for everything that we talked about. If you want to participate in something, find it. Go after it. Scan it. Even if you don't think it's the right stop, step, who cares? You're not going to lose nothing. You're just going to learn a little bit more. We have people who have gone through growth track five times, and every single time they learn something more. You'll hear more about the vision. You'll hear more about the process that God has for us in our lives. Go through it. Participate. Go after it. The second thing I want to um, uh, enlighten you to is Pastor Bob has been going through our prayer meetings, and this weekend uh, it talks a lot about what this series is about. And we're going to take communion as a prayer group. If you've ever wanted to enhance your prayer life, just show up, sit. You don't have to do anything. Being around people who are praying and going after the same things, it's powerful. It's powerful. And whether you can join us in the room or whether you need to join us online, but just join us. Be a part. We'd love to take communion with you as a part of our prayer service this week. And then the last thing that I'm really excited about, uh, if you'll give me 15 more seconds, is the next series that we're going through because it piggybacks off of this series. So if you will, give me 15 seconds and take a look at the screen. We live in a shaky world. 
There are a lot of storms out there. Storms that affect our finances, our families, and our futures. At times, these storms can rock our boat so badly that we fear it will sink. But there is a way to remain stable and secure, even when life feels adrift in a sea of fear, uncertainty, tragedy, or grief. The truth is, we all have access to an anchor for our souls. When our lives are anchored on the truths of God's Word, we can weather life's biggest storms. And even when the world rages around you, you can not only survive, but you can thrive. No matter what life throws at you, you can stand unshaken. Yeah, absolutely. I can't think of a better series that this world needs right now. And we're going to make that series super, super practical. If you have anybody in your life, your friends, that says, you know what, they got some challenges. They need to hear this message. We're going to do our best job of making it just something that they just learn from, grow from, and God has more for them. So please invite your friends. Come and join us. Everybody raise your hands. Let me bless you. Lord, bless you. Lord, keep you. Lord, cause his face to shine upon you. And I bless you with this reality that God has promises Join him and let's pursue everything that he has for your life. Amen? Lord bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Love you all so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.